Hot fun in the summertime is back on the Infused show. We're back in Delaware. Who, Delaware, what? Delaware Infused is brought to you by Terrapin Select. Be wise, be well. Shop TerrapinSelect.com for all your CBD and health and wellness needs. Now, let's do the show. With me, back in the great first state, Mike Francesca. Welcome back, my friends. Hey Hello. there. Good to be Happy back. Happy to be home. It is good to be home, traveling all through the great Northeast, meeting lots of people. But I'm excited today, guys. We're going to one of my favorite places. Uh, so uh, if you join me today on the Infuse Show, Mike, Francesca, and I are feeling like Pottstown's own Daryl Hall. I'm in a Philly mood. And we're virtually riding up the I-95 corridor into the great Northeast, right into the cradle of liberty, known as the beautiful city of Philadelphia, the city that loves you back, so that we can greet our special guest today. Throughout her career, she's been known quite simply for getting things done. And in our cannabis industry, we need more people like her. People who help visionaries organize and execute impactful experiences. She's the CEO of Beth Lawrence and Company, as well as an award-winning architect of programs, events, and experiences who now serves as the director of programs and events at Philly Startup Leaders. Guys, let's welcome Beth Lawrence to the Infuse Show. Hey, Beth. Hi, Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, man, it's our absolute pleasure. Our absolute pleasure. How are things in the beautiful city of brotherly love today? Things are beautiful. Um, It's one of those days that you look outside and you wish you could be outside, but I'm very Mm -hmm. happy to be talking to you all. (laughs) Oh, very cool. Very cool. We're so glad you could join us today, Beth. Um, there's so much we want to get into because uh, just just reading about you and reading in articles where you've given uh, your time to speak with uh, uh, people, we've got a lot of questions. So we're <laughs> ready to go. Um, Beth, I wanted to go first because I'm fascinated. We we've just been we just got off the road. Uh, the team here at the Infuse Show. We've been in New York. We've been in Atlantic City and Oklahoma City, attending all these big cannabis events. And I, to me. Organizing an event is just, I, I, I want to like roll up in a ball in the fetal position, just <laughs> thinking about it. How did you get into this as a career choice, Beth? You know, it's funny. I think I stumbled upon it. And then when I told my parents, I actually went into college as an English major. I love to write. I love to read. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to be a professor at one point. And then I took one class and, and he said, Professor just, you know, mentioned that he had taught Hamlet every year for 30 years. And I thought, I can't, I couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> so just that one sentence led me to change my major and bless my parents, um, went through a couple different major changes. And then when I said, I think I want to do event planning, they said, oh my God, that makes so much sense. And they told me the story about how when I was young, I would wake up at 6.48 in the morning, every single morning, and just start talking and asking my parents about what we were doing, who we were going to go see, what we were going to have for dinner, what we were going to have for lunch, what we were doing tomorrow. So they said, you have always been a planner, so this is perfect for you. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So when it came down to be or not to be a professor, you went with not. Yeah, that's smart. Smart. Yeah, I love that. In my in my younger and more vulnerable years, I taught Fitzgerald <laughs> every year for what thirteen years. So I can. Oh tell my you, gosh, you, I love it. You made you made the right. It gets it gets a little repetitive day after day. So you mm-hmm. made you made a cool choice. Um, it, it, it's it's a, a really interesting thing that brought you to Philly startup leaders. Now, um, can you tell us about the genesis of the of this? Sure. So Philly Startup Leaders is an organization I've known about for a very long time. It sort of stands alone as the nucleus of the startup ecosystem in Philadelphia. 
They really have always, um, they started out in 2017 as like a very pizza and beer volunteer led organization. And when I say volunteer, I just mean startup founders that were looking for community, looking for people to, you know, kind of be along on the journey with. Um, mm -hmm. Because at the time, the ecosystem was really kind of small um, and in Philadelphia. And now it's grown into, as you see from our five-year vision, we have big dreams and we have big goals. And so I... I sort of stumbled again, stumbled upon um, being involved in Philly Startup Leaders. I was involved with a startup called Snap Kitchen um, out of Austin, Texas. It was a health food based startup. I launched the Philadelphia market, nine stores, the app, did about 250 experiential events in the two years that I was there and got involved in Philly Startup Leaders then started going to their events and getting more connected in the startup community. And then when I got laid off in 2017, started my own business in 2018, I started to kind of see um, friends of mine become more involved and people that I really involved, I admired in the community, excuse me, become more involved and visible in Philly startup leaders. And so I reached out to the executive director who I knew um, at the time through my relationship with Snap Kitchen and just said, hey, you know, I have this agency, just wondering if you need any help. And she actually said, ironically, we're looking for help in a few months on this event. And that that event was Founder Factory in 2019. Fast forward to 2020, my firm was hired to do the in-person Entrepreneur Expo in May. And as we all know, those things just did sort of didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to, you know, to Philly Startup Leaders, amazing credit. You know, I just said to them, look, I know that we do events. I know events are changing, but we also can help you with marketing. We can help you with community engagement. I can help you just kind of keep organized. And so we were able to work it out. So as a nonprofit, obviously, you know, they had to make sure that their budget was a certain way. And I, I wanted to really make sure that I was able to still support them. And so I stayed on um, and helped them through that sort of chaotic period of transition in the pandemic. I supported the accelerator programs and then um, previous executive director left. Once they found the new executive director, Isabel Kent, um, ironically, both of us kind of came from the cannabis industry and um, we had been at least loosely in the cannabis industry, each of us, and people have been trying to introduce us for years. And when I say <laughs> years, I mean like 10 years, people wow. were trying to introduce us. And now I know why, because <laughs> as soon as I met her um, and I really started to listen to her vision, her grand vision for what Philadelphia could be, I realized that it, it sort of the role that they were looking for, which is director of programs and events, A, I have been doing it already with my agency. I absolutely love working with early stage startups, but also this amplification piece of kind of putting Philadelphia on the map and specifically Philadelphia's innovation ecosystem on the map, that was super appealing to me. And so I started full-time in-house um, in July of 2021, and I sort of haven't looked back since. Wow. So you were in cannabis before you started the cannabis program in the Philly Accelerator, right? Yes. So I, when I, I started my business in the beginning of 2018, did a lot in tech. Obviously, I was, I was involved in tech and startups. So that was kind of easy for me. Did a lot with networking and ecosystems. And then I sort of intentionally said, okay, I love innovative spaces. And tech, obviously, I was doing voice tech conferences. And at the time, that was very innovative and very new. And I looked to what was happening around the world and I saw cannabis as an opportunity. And I just said, I really, I've been interested in it, so to speak, since, you know, college. And then I think I saw the writings on the wall as far as what it could be. And truly what I did was I looked up the best cannabis conferences in the country and I emailed all of them and kind of did the same exact thing I did with Philly Startup Leaders and said, you know, this is what we can offer. Do you need help? 
And one of them happened to be a very small conference company um, that does incredible things. They've been around since 2015 called Connor Global. And I was able to support their Cannabis Private Investment Summit um, a few times that year. And then from there, I started to work more locally um, in the Philadelphia market, doing my own events and also supporting smaller cannabis companies and networking groups. Oh, wow. I, yeah, that's really interesting because I, I knew you did these events and I knew you, you were involved in the startup stuff, but I wasn't aware that you were doing cannabis events prior to the accelerator program. So that's fascinating as far as you know, getting your, your experience base and learning about the industry and learning about the plant and how everybody kind of comes together. And, and do, you, do you find that cannabis is any different than the other industry you, you've worked in in terms of, you mentioned tech and some of the other ones. Oh, is, yeah. that, is the community part of cannabis any different or is it stronger? Or right, the better, same? worse. Yeah. Oh man, that's, that's interesting. I love the community part of cannabis. And I think seeing, I think before I did the accelerator, I would say it's different. And I think it still is unique. I think a lot of people in cannabis are still fighting, whether it's individual stigmas, whether it's the you know systemic bias or racism that that everyone um, of color faces within the industry. I think you know so those things I think make people a little bit more almost like Philadelphians, like scrappy and gritty and like hungry and ready for it, which I really love. Um, but I also that's think such a good cannabis- point. <laughs> <That's> such <laughs> Thank a good you. Point. Um, but I also think in cannabis, there's so much. There's so much of people wanting to help and wanting just everyone to experience this beautiful plant in whatever way it makes sense for them. And so I really loved being kind of a part of the earlier stage, even though it's funny, like 2018 cannabis, I thought of being on the East Coast, I was like, oh, there's so many ideas that I have. And going to those investment conferences, they had all been done, right? Like (laughs) done three times over, four times over. Um, But still seeing the innovation within the industry, I think is really what brings it together in in the community sense. And I think that what what kind of meshes them together for me is that hunger. It's that startup founder that has this idea that really thinks could change the world, whether it's for one sub, you know, one um, pop piece of the population or the entire population. And then trying to getting them to see and actualize that reality, whether it's in 12 weeks or just being a part of our ecosystem is so super rewarding. Um, and so I think this, the common thread is that hunger, but also that unending support. Um, at least that's been my experience in the Philadelphia ecosystem and in the larger cannabis ecosystem. And you're working with a lot of like young entrepreneurs, people that are in the startup mode, right? And so have you noticed or have you had to make any adjustments as the business of cannabis has evolved from 2018 to where we are now? I feel like it's light years different and it's so different West Coast versus East Coast and, you know, where it's legal versus where it's gray versus where it's not at all like, hello, Delaware. So, um, you know, it's just, I'd love to hear about how you've had to adapt to those changes. Well, from an event planning perspective, I think it has been just such a journey. I did an event in 2018 in Philadelphia, and it was a CBD. Um, we had a, a chef, um, the herbal chef, Christopher Sage. We flew him out from Los Angeles. We had a demo for 50 um, chefs in the hospitality industry t- telling them how to extract and infuse. Um, I think the legalities of that were a little bit <laughs> rocky at the time, which we didn't know, but virtually <laughs> no one would touch it. No one would write about it. No one would post about it. We were getting reports on Instagram. We weren't allowed to use, you know, this ticket platform. We had to apply to use that ticket platform. Uh It was just such hell. And then seeing that versus the receipt of, for example, the accelerator program, everyone wanted to write about it. Everyone wanted to talk about it because I think 
even in those that four or five year period or, or four year period, things change so much and people's appetite for more information, I think changed. Um, and I think also, you know, changing every, every single day, the laws are changing everywhere. So I've always been a big proponent of keeping, you know, your attorneys, your cannabis attorneys really close. Um, (laughs) so I was really happy to get them involved Uh, specifically. We had one local, um, cannabis focused law firm that really helped us with this accelerator program because that was really important to me. You know, we want these folks to develop companies that they can scale and that can create generational wealth for them. Well, we can't do that if we start off with something that's truly illegal still. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's some major hurdles there that Mm -hmm. you're not going to get over. Um, Yeah. That's, that's really cool. And so when you, I I love the idea that you're working with startups and and with a lot of um, entrepreneurs that are just coming to you basically with ideas. Is that, is that essentially it? They're like, listen, I think I have the next big thing. I know I Mm -hmm. can make a living off of X, Y, or Z. Have you seen any kind of, I guess, commonalities across the board of what will yield success for those people that have a good idea versus the ones that don't actually end up going anywhere? Because we all know that a good idea is, is not even worth the paper you're writing it on if you don't put a whole lot more behind it. And so mm-hmm. just kind of if, if I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that will that are like, I know I could get into cannabis with a good idea. And so yeah. how do they take it beyond the idea stage? Oh, we talk about this all the time. No, no, I think so. I think in terms of what you, the characteristics that you need to have, we talk all the time about people being coachable. And I think as founders, even for me and my consulting business, we're so close to what we're doing that any sort of feedback can feel detrimental. It can feel like, oh man, like I'm just going to throw my arms up. I'm not even going to try because I had this idea and this investor, for example, said that they didn't like it. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? That's one investor out there. That's one person out there. That's maybe not your customer talking to you, but yes. it might be your customer. It might be your customer doing you a solid and saying like, hey, I really love what you're doing, but like maybe look at it this way. And I think sometimes founders get so caught up in that, the pride of it all. And I, again, I understand it and I empathize with it, but I think being coachable and really, we see the founders that are most successful, even just in our accelerator programs in that small amount of time, are the ones that really stop and take it in. And they say, okay, we're talking about mission and vision and value proposition. I have a mission and I have a vision. I have a value proposition. Some will just stop there and they'll say, well, I have that already. I don't need that. I am talking to this customer. But the farther they get in, when we get into customer discovery, for example, or product roadmap, they may realize that what they're developing is not the real answer to the mm-hmm. problem that the customers are having. And so if they don't really let it sink in and take, take really inventory of what they've been doing and look really closely, not at the company, but at what they're building and the solution and the longevity of it, that I think is what separates folks. Um, and then I'm sorry, what was your second question? I can't remember. I guarantee she won't remember it. <laughs> I, de- I definitely don't remember because it's all it was all one in my head. So I'm yeah. sure you answered it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, it, I'm trying to remember it. I'm sorry. No, we were, no. We were talking this morning about company. it. Beth. <laughs> we were talking about it this morning, and one of the observations I had from my interaction with your accelerator program is that you know there was a lot of, of 
really, really fascinating ideas. And there was a, you could see that, that people were determined to make this happen. So it wasn't mm -hmm. like they were coming in and they get one no or one piece of bad information and they're throwing it in. So you're, you brought up coachable and that, that I'd sense that also, you know, and I could really sense the determination and their willingness to be adaptable with their ideas, because a lot of the people, at least that my experience or my, uh, I guess I should say my impression was that it's hard when you're from outside the industry to come up with a product or service that will fit and have value within the cannabis industry. So to be able to listen to others and adapt your idea and be flexible and to, you know, take that voice of customer and understand where, how you might have to tweak your concept to really be able to reach your target market and to add value to the target market. That's is, it was so critical, but it's really, it's not an easy task when you're working for, you know, from outside the industry and trying to find your spot within the industry. Um, it's not easy. And I was, I was impressed with the, the group you had in place and where they were and you could see the progression and, and the energy and the, the camaraderie, I guess, is how it is one of the other things I think I'd throw in there is they were all rooting for each other. And that was, it was, it was yep. tangible. It really was. It was neat to see. Thank you. Yeah. The camaraderie is, is huge for me. Again, talking about what I do, creating intentional, impactful experiences, because I think we've all been in a virtual program where it's like, all right, well, the speaker's done and thanks. And that's it. And even in virtual cohorts, when you're meeting with the same people once a week for 10 weeks, there's not a lot of opportunities to get to know one another. So we actually did accountability. We had accountability partners where each week they met with a different person within, within their cohort and also crossing over to our ethical entrepreneurship cohort to get that, um, that feedback from outside the industry that sometimes I think is valuable. They also had, you know, session mentors and speakers weekly, and they had dedicated mentors. And Mike, I know you helped um, in that respect as well. And I think because they're all going through this intense thing at the same time, it's almost like, um, you know, like the real world or some sort of like crazy, <laughs> exactly. like in a, it's like in a vacuum. Um, but that's the thing that really made me fall in love with what I do, wh whether it was tech, cannabis, ethical entrepreneurship, whatever we do is formulating that camaraderie. And in that it builds confidence, not only in themselves, but in like the collective. And then it's like, all right, we got this, we got this funding, we got this next step. Um, and it's really cool to see. So thank you for noticing that. It was easy to notice. Yeah. Just, just listening to Mike's experience uh, beforehand, Beth, and then hearing, hearing a little bit more today. Uh, I know you would have been a great educator because uh, just the, yeah. looking at, you know, accountability partners and what the, the people in your program are learning. I'm sitting here as a former educator going, damn, this is well put together. Um, so uh, for our, our listeners, could you, uh, I want to focus on the Cannabis Accelerator mm -hmm. uh, specifically here. Um, sure. Could you take them through what, what uh, the normal participant will experience in a program like that? Sure, absolutely. So we um, actually, this spring, we're big on iteration and ourselves in, the, in Philly Startup Leaders, obviously being in the startup space, we always try to um, iterate. So we typically have 12-week programs. This spring, we did two simultaneous 10-week programs, one of them being cannabis. Um, but typically, it's a weekly session. So in those weekly sessions, they're about two hours long, all virtual. And we do this virtually because we find that it actually meets people where they are in a lot of cases. You know, I mean, you're from this area, you know how traffic is. Trying to get downtown at 5.30 just is not, it's yeah. not feasible. And especially if folks have children or if they work non-traditional hours. So anyway, we meet, we meet virtually um, two hours per week. We have a speaker for about a half hour. This year, I actually mixed it up with some panel discussions and I really liked that. It used to be just a straight, you know, tactical 30 minute, 
here's how you do this. Um, but I really like the panel discussions because it gives you a, a various different opinions and approaches, especially in a vast industry like cannabis. Um, and then from there, we break them, the group of 10 into two or three smaller groups, depending on how many folks are participating as speakers and mentors. And we have facilitate Q&A sessions. So that really is, for me as a founder, for example, like I would come in there with my questions to ask that speaker specifically based on their experience. Um, so Mike, I think you did the one with growth mode. So, yeah. you know, all of the, all the founders came in and they had questions about product or sales or how to get their, their product and what they're building out there. And then from there, we also have a program guide, which serves as like a workbook style companion. So we have, um, prompts and questions that they do each week with their accountability partners. So they can work through that together. Um, and then we also do weekly surveys and I try very much to adjust on the fly based on the survey feedback. So if they say, for example, I want, it would be great if we could do a half hour of virtual networking beforehand. I try to build that in and make it happen. We really try to listen to the cohorts and, and adjust the program based on what they need, especially since the pandemic. Um, and so we take them through for mission, vision, value proposition, customer discovery, product roadmap, um, really talk, honing in on your business model and your revenue strategy. Then we go into pitch prep and we have a lightning pitch night halfway through. Um, which is amazing because they get wow. to pitch in front of real investors. Um, and we had folks this time from 3A Ventures, from Meridia Capital Partners, from people who have really been titans in the industry for a really long time. So I was really proud of that as well. Um, and then from there, we get into more of the scalability. So talking about organizational development, hiring, fundraising, growth mode, things like that. And then at graduation, um, the uh, founders had the opportunity to exhibit at our Entrepreneur Expo, which was um, it's our signature event, our signature spring event. And it was the first time that we had any cannabis or hemp related businesses at that expo, which took place in May this year. Um, and they were able to be interviewed for our B-roll. So just being able to give them that amplification has been amazing. And then we try to work with them. We do have grant funding available to those who complete the program. And then we also have, we obviously work to continue to connect them to mentors or the right people at the right time. Um, and we check in on a steady cadence to make sure that if they need something, the SF and the community were able to be there for them. Um, wow. So that's really once you're once you're done, you're part of the PSL family. You're you're an alumni, so we really love to amplify what our alumni are doing. We love to make connections and really just grow and and help them be as successful as they possibly can be. Beth, I want to ask you about the pitch night. So I can only imagine how nervous some of the <laughs> some of the people were as far as like taking this this thought, this idea, this concept that they've been working on for at this point, what you said about five weeks or so. Mm -hmm. I so mean, some of them did have a concept before, but yes, they've been honing in on it for five yeah. weeks. So it's still pretty fresh. And now yeah. to go and have some big hitters in the audience that might be the ones that come in like Shark Tank, right? Yeah. I mean, it had to be pretty nerve wracking <laughs> for them. So how, how did it go? Did, did, did people like take to it and do really well? Was there a lot of nerves? Was there any, you know, how did it go? Thank you for asking. So pitch nights are always complicated, whether it's virtual or in person. We had this one virtually, but again, meeting people where they are. We had like 12 investors or something that were able to join the call, which is a far cry from what we would normally have if we did it in person. Um, I think they did a three minute pitch and um, we did time. have a timer. I know we did have a timer. We, a we, gave them, we gave them suggestions as far as, you know, we would do these five slides and cover these five topics. We did tell them who would be in the judging room so that they got a sense of who would be there. Um, we did have some folks that very honestly said, <laughs> you know, I'm nervous and just 
you know, uh, kind of vocalize it. And it's okay. Like we, we always encourage that it's okay. And the best part about these pitch nights is it is like Shark Tank, but it's no pressure because these people know that you've been working on this for five weeks and they're there to help you give, help give you that critical feedback that can help take you over that roadblock. Cause a lot of times that first pitch, you're really just saying like, Hey, does any, you're like screaming into the void. Like, does anyone <laughs> think my idea is going to be good? And for this one, we had folks that are in the industry that were really familiar with all aspects of the plant and of the industry and the potential. And so I just told them that like, this is a huge opportunity that you're never going to get again. And mm -hmm. if you think that they asked you a, a tough question, I would follow up with them and ask them for more information. Like I tried to tell them again, like we talked Great about, advice. you really have to like remove yourself from, from even if you're the face or, or you're what you're selling, you have to remove yourself from it because you have to listen and get the feedback because that feedback can be so critical. And those that listen really kind of took off from there. It always That's happens. Great. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What's a, what is like, um, is there a typical kind of like student for the program? Is there, you know, demographically age, anything like that? That's like, or is it just anyone and everyone that has the idea and the drive and knows about the opportunity? Yeah. So we used to actually focus on um, only technology that was tech enabled, scalable and proprietary. We still try to have that scalable and proprietary angle. And most of what we do is tech enabled. Um, when it comes to the demographics of who we serve, Philly Startup Leaders has um, really built a foundation of supporting underrepresented founders in Philadelphia. In fact, these two last cohorts were the most diverse um, of any cohorts that we've ever had. And when we say diverse, we're not only talking about something that you can see in a photo, you know, we're talking about veteran status, we're talking about socioeconomic status, we're talking about students, we're talking about neurodiversity, LGBTQ individuals. Um, and so that's something that makes me very proud as well. And I think Philly Startup Leaders consciously always tries to do the best that we can to eliminate barriers for folks. For example, we have um, scholarships available for those who have an idea and have been working on it, but really, you know, $500 is the is um, typically the average of what an applicant would pay. But if that's cost prohibitive for someone, we have payment plans and we have opportunities to really just be welcomed into the fold. And so we invite anyone to come and apply. Um, even if you don't get into our accelerator programs, we have so many, we have so many resources. We have online communities. We have virtual mentors. We have so much other programming that that you can be a part of. And then when you're ready and the time is right, whether it's our accelerator or our partner accelerators, we're more than happy to plug you in where it makes sense. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, networking is so huge, especially in cannabis. I mean, it's mm -hmm. all, I mean, huge. who you yeah. know can make the difference between your your success and your and the lack of it or even the timeline Absolutely. of your success. The so, timing of it too, yeah. Huge, yeah, for sure. Huge. For sure. And especially in cannabis right now, timing is everything because as we said, everything changes every day and opportunities, they come and when they come, you have to be ready to seize them. Yeah. And I love that you're putting people that um, might be underrepresented in, in an offer in a position to have capital, um, you know, Huge. available to them, because that is probably one of the biggest challenges I've heard people have in starting up in, in cannabis. So I love that you're doing that with the investors and the pitch nights. It's very good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, and we're as a nonprofit, we're funded by, you know, sponsors. And so a lot of our sponsors will contribute to our grant programming as well. Um, so it's, it's really amazing to be able to give them, even if it's, we had a, someone in our program in 2020 who was part of actually the first virtual 
um, accelerator. It wasn't a cannabis accelerator, but we gave them a $3,000 micro grant and they just raised $5.5 million. So this, wow. this makes real Congratulations. Change. Thank you. We're really, Pop really proud of this on that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. We have very, very many all-stars in our program and we're, we're really, really proud of all of them. And, and really just being able, like, I love networking. That's really where I mm -hmm. came from is that's how I built my career is networking. So I love being like, okay, here's my network. Tell me who I can connect you to. Like, that's my favorite thing to do in the world. And especially startups that need it most. Yeah. Beth, at your, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nick. No, go ahead, Mike. I was just, I was curious about the expo. Cause this is the, is this the first time you had cannabis um, tabletops mixed in with the other expo exhibitors, right? Yes, it was. So, um, so how were the cannabis participants received? Were, were like from the traditional industry and traditional tech type people that were there, were they excited and curious to see what, what cannabis was bringing to the table or were they kind yeah. of like, oh, I'm not interested in that. I'm more into just tech or whatever. I think we're very fortunate being in the innovation space in general. And because we started branching out from true only technology companies that people were really just curious about what's new. And I think that they found a lot of our, because we didn't focus on um, companies that need to hold licenses, there was a lot more interesting approaches to cannabis and hemp there that was. I think people were really excited about. Um, for example, one of our um, participants was um, the Herbal Rubik's Cube, and he has an entire database um, that helps really patients have better health outcomes um, when it comes to all of the different um, ailments and illnesses that cannabis can treat um, or at least help alleviate. And one of our, our videographer had an interaction with him and he said, well, he told me, you know, he could tell me based on what I'm feeling, he suggested like three or four strains that I could try. And that was just in one conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had, you know, joint, joint topicals, which they're doing a um, hemp based um, topical cream. She's a, a licensed, you know, a massage therapist. So again, it's cool. I think because people people are there just to see what's new. They're, they're, they're yeah. there to see what's new in Philadelphia and to support innovation in Philadelphia. And knowing that PSL had kind of spotlit cannabis, um, we actually got a lot more cannabis people in the door and they also got to see what's happening in the tech ecosystem and make those connections, make connections to investors that they Perfect. may not have even been able to see before. They actually got also to talk to service providers um, on one with one-on-one -on -one appointments. So we really try to make everything not only where it's like, okay, here's a showcase, but really tactical of like, if you're a founder, you can also get something out of this. So I think it was mutually beneficial. Perfect. Yeah. That it, sounds Another feather in, in the cap of uh, Philly startup leaders, Beth, yeah, I, I hope you know this. I want to flip this a little bit, is the people that participate on your panels and get to do the, the mentorships uh, rave about the experience. And I want to tell Mike, uh, if you get to know him, he loves talking business. He loves coaching. Mike mm -hmm. came back from that panel like fired up, Mike, you had a, you had a fantastic experience and didn't, did, you know, talk about your experience there. And, and didn't one of this, one of the people follow up with you in New York? Yeah, you know, it was really, I didn't know what to expect, frankly, going into it. I had never done anything like this. And I had a couple conversations with Beth and I was very confident this was going to be a well-organized event. She said, yeah. here's what we're going to do. It was a panel with two other professionals or people from the industry. We each had kind of different expertise areas. And um, there was questions that we answered, like with the group, was there about 15 or 20 in the group or so, Beth, something like that? Um but yeah, we answered questions as a group. The three of us could kind of go back and forth, and which was a lot of fun to hear their perspectives and, the, and to build on each other's answers. So I, I agree. I thought the panel was 
it was fun for me to do versus me sitting there and like, like putting people to sleep with a 30 minute keynote, you know? (laughs) So like, um, so we did that. And then there was like Beth saying earlier, there was breakouts where it was, uh, five or six people and then me in the room and they could ask me whatever they wanted. And we had, I think 20 minutes or so, um, in each. So it was three different groups that would come through the breakout. And that's where it was really fun because that is where like, it was almost like a mini pitch in some ways. They're like, here's right. Here's who I am. This is what I have. And here's my question for you. And they would have a couple questions ready. Um, and we could just talk through stuff and it was really interesting. And one of the gentlemen, um, from canister, uh, you know who it is, Beth, he's followed up with me a number of different times and we've several different conversations. Uh, and then he came to see us up in New York when we were at CWCBE. Uh, cause I, this is one of the things I recommended. I was like, go, you have to get out in the industry more and like, go see people like, like you're saying, Beth, you have to network and you have to like share your ideas. So I was like, find people to talk about your idea with and get their reaction. So mm-hmm. he was up there doing just that. He came by our booth and, you know, told me what he'd learned and you know, That's how his, his things develop of, um, evolving his concept. And it's really, it was really kind of, it was a lot of fun for me. It's so much fun that it, kind of inspired me to go and say, all right, is there other accelerator programs that I can participate in to help? Because it is, it's a lot, it's a lot of satisfaction to help people who want to be helped, right? Not everybody mm-hmm. wants it. Not everybody's coachable, but for those that are, I, I take a lot of personal satisfaction out of that. So I thank you for inviting me to participate. And uh, I'm all for helping again. I know Nick and Francesca, not to volunteer your time, but I know you guys would love it too. And they really Absolutely. would. I mean, they'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, we would, we would love to have you guys. And I think we're looking for ways to do it again, obviously reevaluating whether we do it in Philly or whether we do it, um, you know, New Jersey or somewhere else, um, just because Philly's a little behind. Um, but I think it's definitely <laughs> something we're going to continue doing. And I, I know that there's probably other accelerator programs, but I hope that you continue. Not many. Ours. <laughs> there really isn't. And I would love to stay with, with you guys for sure, Beth, but there really awesome. isn't that many. So it's a, it's a, it is, it's to me, at least in my estimation, it's an area where you can certainly make your mark and be, you know, one of the top echelon ones, uh, especially with your skills with event planning and networking and, and getting out there. And I see how you could easily replicate this in different markets and, and bring the same high quality deliverables to the participants that you already d- have done. Thank you. Yeah, I hope so. It'd be amazing. I yeah, think we have, it's really, oh, sorry, Nick, go ahead. No, I was just thinking, of, you know, on the fly, I'm like, wow, we go to, we go to trade shows all the time and talk with people in the industry about what they're doing. It'd be really cool to take uh, Infuse to uh, one of the startup programs uh, and just talk to the young people and give them exposure before, help them get in the industry. I'm just saying. It would be yeah. great at the, at the expo. It'd be awesome. Yeah. To get yeah. In, they come on and they can product, you know, talk about their concept and all that. And that would be, a yeah, fun thing I can do. even share, you know, the blog posts about all of the, all of the um, companies in our program. And if you want connections with them, I'm more than happy. Again, like that's something we do is connect them to amplification opportunities. And this would be huge for them. So I can also share that with you if you want. Oh, cool. And Francesca, I'm sorry, I cut you off there. No, no, that's okay. That's a, it's um, I think it's one of the things that I find so I guess, valuable just hearing about this is that as somebody who is new to an industry that is in its infancy still, there's a lot of questions around readiness. It's like, when am I ready? When is the market ready? When is the industry ready? And so having something like PSL is like, you have this whole community that is helping you to get ready and is telling you, okay, now you can take the next step. And now you're ready to go to this person. And now you go to this stage and you really give them a roadmap in a very um, 
very wild jungle <laughs> of a landscape. So I think that there's so much value in that because there's a ton of self-doubt and um, an insecurity that goes in with being an owner, being an entrepreneur, being a startup. So that is probably one of those maybe like soft values that is incredibly um, worthwhile in terms of its value. So definitely. Yeah. And, and we, we actually see, it's funny that you said that because I think the readiness and the confidence, I mean, we all deal with imposter syndrome, obviously the closer you are to, to privilege the, usually the less you deal with it, but you know, imposter syndrome is something that I notice that happens in every single um, cohort that we have. And we notice, for example, that women typically apologize um, during their pitches, if they mess up or something more than, than men do. And again, this is typically, I'm not trying to be, um, I'm not trying to be general with, uh, with everything, but I've noticed with our pitch nights that happens. And I think that that's something that we work on in the office hours. We have, um, office hours weekly with myself and Isabel that we try to really kind of replicate what we do in the Q and a, where we, um, answer whatever questions that they have and help them circumvent whatever challenges they're having. And a lot of the times the challenge is about believing in yourself. And I think having community helps you believe in yourself because it's so much easier, even for us, like it would be easy for me to be like, Francesca, you're so amazing. I just saw your LinkedIn. You've accomplished so much and probably you do the same for me. But if someone asks you to list your accomplishments, like, oh, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just just trying. I'm just, you know, whatever. Getting by. Yeah. 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 So finding the community is is super important aspect of that, I think. Love that. As far as community goes, Beth, I want to ask you this uh, for our uh, listeners and the people we talk to that aren't in the area. Like we obviously hear Wilmington's like little Philadelphia. We love Philadelphia. We're all sports fans, but we love the city of Philadelphia. And I always tell people who assume they know something about Philly or the culture of like, no, you don't. You got to go. You got to experience it. So could you speak to doing this kind of work? Right now, it, it really is. Philly's undergoing this incredible kind of renaissance. I mean, 20 years ago, there are places you wouldn't go that are now, uh, you've got artists doing amazing things there. And it's got to f- describe the vibe and the energy that, that's going on up there for, for our listeners. Especially so for I people think- who only think of Santa throwing snowballs at yeah, people that, when that, they think that, of bullshit. Um- yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, there's a lot of reasons like Florida. There's a lot of reasons on the internet that you can see Philadelphia. Sure, like Florida. I love Florida too. Not no shade on Florida. Um, but I think with Philadelphia, I think we've always kind of been known as like the little brother or the, you know, the little sister of like the New York's and DC's of the world. Um, and I think that Philly is kind of owning our grit now. I don't know if it's like yeah. gritty, the actual mascot, but I think we're, <laughs> I think we're owning our grit now. And I think we're saying like, look, we've, survived and thrived through all of these these decades of change in our city and make no mistake there's still a lot of change that has to happen in Philadelphia um you know locally and and kind of globally but I think that we are recognizing that this is our moment and that this is um Isabel always calls it like the next great age of innovation like we're in it right now and so we have to take what we have and what we've been building and amplify it and tell our story on a larger scale um I mean I always wanted I grew up in, in South Jersey. I always thought I'm moving to New York when I graduate college, especially in events, I'm moving to New York. And then I saw, I started getting more involved in Philly, went to college outside of Philadelphia, really saw the writings on the wall for what Philly could be. And this was back in 2009 when, you know, everything was kind of still up in the air and events were more crazy. But 
I was like, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to abandon Philly. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to see what I can help build and, and how I can help contribute to this next great age. And I think that's what a lot of people do. A lot of people love Philly. And even if they leave, they come back and they apply what they learned somewhere else and they, they do it to make Philly a better place. Love wow. it. There's so Love much it. Philly pride. I mean, there's, uh, it's, it, it's so much that it leaks into Delaware and we adopt it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's <laughs> and, and New Jersey too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Sure. That tri-state yeah. area is, is tight. Yeah. 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 All it took yeah. was Chase Utley telling the Mets where to go at the World Series celebration. And then everything just took off from 2000. Yeah. You then got then it. Fuck around and fuck out and yeah. in the butt as a protest and like all uh, that. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and then no one likes us and we don't care. All yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's yeah. awesome. Captain Jason Kelsey. Um, Beth, look, um, we got to we gotta promote, promote, promote. I know there's going to be people that want to volunteer. I know there's going to be people that want to donate. How do they do that? How do they follow you guys? How do they get in touch? Yeah, so uh, website is phillystartupleaders.org. Our blog is always up to date, including with the applications and information about our two fall accelerator programs. We also have opportunities there for you to volunteer. Um, look out for us on social media. It's at Startup Leaders um, on Instagram. Um, and then uh, connect.phillystartupleaders.org is our, one of our virtual platforms. And even if you're not in Philadelphia, but you're curious about the ecosystem, if you're a startup founder, just kind of looking for community, that's a great place to start. That's also where our community events calendar is. And you can list wins. You can share um, updates about your company. You can even create your own individual profile and a startup profile. So it's great to kind of start to, to start to feel around in the Philadelphia ecosystem. Nice. Outstanding. Very cool. Outstanding. And then, Beth, if you have a moment, I've just been handed... Uh, some fun questions for the end of the show. Sounds good. Would you would you care to join us? <laughs> I would love that. All right, all right. We said it's hot, hot town summer in the city, in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, mind you. Thank you. Um, uh, Beth, what what do you need to do to actually feel like ah, it's summer? Is there a thing? Is there a dish you eat? Is there a song, a movie? What what do you have to do to say ah, now it's summertime? I think um, for me, being near water is huge, um, whether that's going swimming in the lake, going kayaking, or I have a local community pool. I'm a person that just needs to be in the sun next to water. All right. That's how you have a summer. Mike, yes. is there one thing that, my, that just says summertime? Yeah, my one thing that says summertime actually just happened because the weather hasn't been too great. But it's when I have that first 80 plus degree day and I'm parked on the beach in Dewey. That's that yeah. means summer to me. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Francesca, what's a summer yes. to you? For me, Nick, you know this one because you're a part of it. Our summer <laughs> kicks off for me when we watch Jaws for the first time. Oh, it yeah. is our inaugural movie for the summer. It's like the Christmas vacation of Christmas. It is. <laughs> but, you know, just not great for Alex Kittner, but for no, that, else. <laughs> that poor Kittner kid. Uh, no, yeah, that 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 is a damn, damn good one. The, the Jaws tradition, I have to agree. Although I don't know if I could do that thing where you, you guys have seen that thing where you uh, go out and they put the screen up on a barge and you sit in a tube and watch Jaws. I think I, I would, would get creeped absolutely out. do it. <laughs> no way. No way. They were doing that uh, last year on the bay in Dewey, like on the really? right side, God. and you would you would be in the water. And I was like, there is no goddamn way mm -hmm. I'm doing that. Like I'm, I don't even know if I would sit there. in a pool. I, I really don't know how that <laughs> 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 what about uh, you, Nick? 
I gotta have the windows down, uh, and I have to play uh, uh, 1978 Grateful Dead uh, Bertha from uh, Iowa. It's it's a it's a song that did everything about that recording. Summertime, blast it while I'm driving mm-hmm. around. Then I feel nice. then I feel like it's good. There there is summer band for me so there you yeah. go yeah um, for me it's style. dave matthews band i should have said that dave there, matthews band concerts that's that's for, outdoor yeah. all day on the yeah. lawn yep exactly. brilliant. Perfect. brilliant perfect and francesca we usually ask uh you usually ask our guests one of your trademark uh would you rathers do you have one for us today I do. I have a would you rather. And um, Beth, I think both of these things are pretty integral to everything you're doing. So I'm wondering, would you rather live in a world without social media or live in a world without money? I think without social media, because I do think money can be used. I don't think social media has to be used for bad. I don't think money has to be used for bad, but I think social media distracts us from a lot of the things that are really going on. And I think everyone could benefit a lot from just taking a long walk outside without their phone. Nice. Like it. That's a good well answer. Well That's a good like answer. It. I'm with you on that one, Beth. When I was thinking through that one, I was thinking, wow, I would gain an hour and a half a day if I was in a world with no social, <laughs> with no social media. <laughs> My screen time, screen would, time would drop. Time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go there, too. I wouldn't be sitting here thinking, like, is Bryce Harper's thumb all right? Yeah, I, w- I, would, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't waiting. know anything about the Kardashians. I would know nothing about them. But for some reason, I know everything. Oh, that, man, what a vision. That's great. Francesca, yeah. Francesca, what did you pick? I'll, I'll be the contrarian. I'll go for a world without money because I think if you can't monetize social media, it goes bye-bye. So Ooh. I get to kill Ooh. two birds with one stone and come up with a whole new system of trade and bartering. And, um, you know, maybe we can do that with some plants instead, some different Ooh. kind of green. Wow. Now that this sounds is- good. Wow, a lot of questions. I have a lot of follow-up questions. I'm going to do infused after hours where it's just Mike yeah. and Francesca going back and forth on that. Um, this has been an absolute pleasure, Beth. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us. And, and sincerely, thank you for the work that you're doing uh, in our region. It's important. It's what I always call the big work. You're giving people a, a pathway into a, a space that we love and into an industry that we believe in. And uh, just, just thank you for your time and what you're doing. Thank you all for having me. This was really fun. Awesome. 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 See you soon, Beth. Yeah. See you guys soon. Our guest today has been Beth Lawrence from Philly Startup Leaders, phillystartupleaders.org. Check them out, uh, donate, and uh, follow what they're, the, the big work that they're doing. Guys, it's been a pleasure today. We're going to see you next time from Dela Who, Dela What, Dela Where. Bye-bye, guys. See you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.